to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka. Also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. You can also catch us live on the New Haven Independent uh, Facebook page, as well as my Fit Muslima Facebook page. It is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. And today we are talking about art. And I have the fabulous Lucy Gelman with me. Hi, Mubaraka. <laughs> Hi. Um, Lucy is the host of another show here on WNHH, Kitchen Sink, which yes. is a bi-weekly show. Yes. And she is the editor of the new... the arts paper beautiful the, the arts, arts paper, paper. Yeah. very simply like why would i not remember that it's called the <laughs> arts paper <laughs> well actually we can we can talk about that because not everyone remembers that so you know and you and i know it's about art so like why would not such a simple name come to my head <laughs> <laughs> the arts paper right um so lucy the arts paper is the um is the only arts only paper in New Haven or in Connecticut? So uh, so to the best of my knowledge, it's definitely in New Haven and then the greater New Haven region. So I, I should say we cater to uh, mostly New Haven. I'm all about being hyper local. I think uh, Paul Bass in my work at the New Haven Independent sort of instilled that very much in me. And so it's like an itch that I've got to scratch. But we also do the greater New Haven region. So if there's something really compelling in Hamden, I'll cover it. Or um, much earlier this year, uh, there were some New Haven actors doing a show in Milford. And it was this really New Haven heavy show where New Haven sort of had its moment in the spotlight in Milford. And it was kind of this weird thing. And so I went and I covered the show and said, hey, look at our stars. You know, they're they're in this other place. Um, so I, I do some coverage across towns, but it's mostly New Haven. And it's the only arts only. So the, the double only is the, the thing I want to focus on because the New Haven Independent does do really good arts coverage. Um, and, and other papers, the Register does arts coverage and then the Daily Nutmeg, uh, which is a digital, pretty much a digital daily, does some arts coverage, although not exclusively. Okay. And when now, and the arts paper is a physical and online paper. Right now, yes. So there are 10 physical issues a year. Um, it's an issue for every month, except January, February is one issue, and July, August is one issue. But the first thing I did, so I uh, left the New Haven Independent in August and started at the Arts Council of Greater New Haven, which publishes the arts paper. Okay. And the first thing I did, so there was no digital component, which was crazy to me, I think because I was coming from the world of the New Haven Independent. <laughs> and so I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? There was no blog, like nothing. Really? And so I was like, yo, slow down. <laughs> we need a website. And so we now have a website that was kind of priority number one. So I built a website, which was really fun because I'd never done that before. So there was a lot of like, you know, pulling, pulling one's hair out, uh, freaking out a little bit. Those late night anxiety attacks that we all know a little bit. Yeah. But, um, Plus website but, <laughs> builders are very familiar. <laughs> We're right, very familiar exactly. with that. But, but now it's a digital daily as well as a print monthly or almost monthly. Okay, awesome. And when, because it is a digital daily, is it, 
in um, read-only format, but it's art, so it has to have some video somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah, so that was actually really important to me. Um, and in some ways, I feel like it's an ode to the independent because it's all of this stuff I learned sort of very quickly here and I'm trying to bring there. Um, so it's it's multimedia. And the idea is that there's video. My video is not beautiful. You know, when you look at a filmmaker, of a videographer like Travis Carbonella, who is very well known in New Haven, his work is beautiful and he knows how to turn it around quickly. And mine is not that <laughs> I'm it's sure like, it looks great. It'll be, it'll be like this person performed at this venue and maybe I stuck a title on it. Um, but we're, my hope is to be getting the art to people in, in a greater. And so photography is also very, very important. And I have done a couple photo essays. Um, so my platform, the platform that I use is Squarespace. And it's really great, actually, for slideshows and photo galleries in in um in articles but then also we're rolling out a series of podcasts and so the idea was you can listen you can watch you can look um we haven't done like a a multi-sensory experience yet but i don't know it's on the back burner now is it just you reporting or other people reporting as well so i have an eensy weensy and if my boss is listening to this hopefully he'll think Oh, I should probably put some money into that. Um, I have an eensy weensy freelance. <laughs> and, and. I have a tiny, tiny freelance budget every month. And that okay. right now is going to the print articles. And okay. so we have um, we have a, a great reporter who is taking a break from his doctoral studies at Yale. His name's Stephen Yurchik. And he writes about an article, sometimes two articles every week. And he's so into community journalism and very excited about being in New Haven and being outside of the Yale bubble, which is wonderful. And he is like, he's such a, a gift to the arts paper. And, and I couldn't do what I do without him. He's really like, uh, he's he's been extremely helpful. But then it's me and then um, the freelancers who we have. And so what I do is we run those articles in print and then we also run them online. And, and do you, um, do you take submissions? We do. So okay. we, t we take citizen contributions. Um, and because right now we have so little money, I've gotten very inventive. Um, I have upped my cookie baking skills already. <laughs> um, so like big, big batches of oatmeal raisin cookies and ginger cookies are a form of payment that I do. Um, <laughs> I've, I've taken a lot of people out to coffee um, and made coffee and tea. So it's, yeah. It's, so if you'd like some coffee and right. some ginger cookies. Yeah. I actually, I, <laughs> you make, should be I make excellent cookies. But um, awesome. yeah, so it's, I've, I've had to kind of think about what trades can I make that don't include money. But I also feel very strongly, and, and we can get into this, about compensating reporters and writers with actual money and teaching people that you should be making actual money for your actual labor. Right. So there's a I've been reading articles about how um, it is a uh, a myth or a myth that people accept being the starving artist as well as the starving journalists. Mm -hmm. Like those times are past. You just need to ask for what you're worth. <laughs> 
I think to a certain degree that's true. I think in journalism it's hard, at least in local news. I mean, I I don't really have my fingers on the pulse of what it's like to be covering national news. I read national news. Um, but I think in local news it's hard because often you're expected to put a lot of heart into something for not a lot of money. Mm. Um, and And people do because they care and they're invested. But it's increasingly a freelance economy, which means that... Um, so I work full time and I also take freelance assignments and in a month where I'm really freelancing, like, like really trying to get out there and, and take a lot of extra assignments. Um, I have no free time and I'm making maybe a couple extra hundred dollars. So it's not a, and do you think that that's just because of the nature of the industry or is it our particular economy in Connecticut? Oh gosh. Um, I, I think it's both of those. Um, so, so I think partly it's the nature of the industry. There are still places that pay pretty well for freelance pieces. Um, you know, if NPR gets you to do a a freelance radio piece, you're looking at something like three or $400 for four or five minutes of radio, which is really great. Um, but often it's small nonprofits. So I, I think the issue is actually, how we think about and treat our nonprofits mm. because often nonprofits are asking other nonprofits or, or writers to do some work for them and they just don't have the funding. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think there are exceptions certainly like if Yale asked a freelancer to do a big assignment and then said, well, we can only pay you $150. We know that they've got a little more in the coffer. Um, <laughs> and a but, couple billion more. But some don't, you know, I've, um, I have done work for the International Festival of Arts and Ideas. Um, I have done work for a couple independent journals around New England, and they just don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you, you have worked in arts and other, you said you've um, done some stuff for arts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Is art one of, uh, so what was it that drew you to kind of like, <laughs> Focus besides the fact of them offering you a job. Right? <laughs> oh, what's your what what spurs your enjoyment and love for art? Sure. Uh, well, my so this is like going into the way back machine. Okay. So I hope that's okay. Yes. Um, but I actually so my one of my first loves was actually art history, and when I was a high schooler, I went uh, on a field trip. So I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And we went to the Detroit Institute of Arts all the time. And it's a, it's a great museum. And I went on this field trip with, uh, with my AP art history class and a curator was showing us around. And I, I didn't know what a curator was because when you're in high school, you don't like, no one says, oh, you can be a curator with your life. Or at least no one said that to me. No, you know, people, I I don't think a lot of people use that as a no career choice at first. No, I mean no one said you can work in the nonprofit world either. So This is true. <laughs> um but but I had no idea what a curator did. I didn't even know it was a job. Like I knew art museums existed, but I wasn't thinking about the fact that they needed people to staff them. Mm. And so we walked around this exhibition with him and he knew so much about all of the art, which he should because that's his job. Um <laughs> But uh, so his his name is uh, Alan Dar, if he's listening. And um, in walking around, I was so moved. So it was an exhibition on Camille Claudel, who was um, she's kind of gotten the short shrift because she was August Rodin's mistress. 
but she was also <laughs> a really talented sculptor in her own right um and sort of had this very sad history she had a miscarriage and she miscarried Rodan's child and um and was sort of just consumed by her grief and actually put in a sanatorium by her brother where she spent most of her life until her death and so I was walking through the show and thinking this is what I want to do like this this is really what I want to do with my life and I remember going home and writing a review for the class which I had to do and I had never really written about art before like I had written papers you write papers in high school um but I had never written about art and about an exhibition mm. I thought oh I've like I've found what I want to do um, and so in high school, I studied art history, and then I had um, a grant called a Fulbright Fellowship to study in France after I graduated. Mm. And I was studying how the French press was writing about female artists. Really? Yeah. It was that um, specific? Yeah. Wow. Uh, between, between 1801 and 1848. Wow. So I got even, <laughs> even more specific. And that's because there are certain uh, like political uprisings and uh, revolutions that happened during that time and I wanted to see and not maybe not surprisingly the press uh, for the most part was like well this sculptor is okay because she's doing you know the bust of a child or a an angel's face or something like that but if if anyone got too adventurous it was like uh-oh watch out for her she's trying to be masculine uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow and um and so after that I did my MA in art history and then I moved to New Haven, actually, to work. So you that you are an <laughs> art hi history major. Uh, kind of lapsed. I would say I'm a lapsed. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is your thing. I'm it, like, yeah. oh, she's going into a new area in adventure. No, like Mubarak did not know this. It's kind <laughs> of like old, old and new. Um, so I, yeah, I worked actually for two years as the buffer between faculty and staff at the Yale University Art Gallery. Mm. Um. And my plan was actually to go on to a doctoral program. And so I applied and I got into my top program. And then I had coffee with Paul Bass. And Paul said, <laughs> "Wow, don't do it. Uh, he, he was like, I, I don't know if you'll be happy. And I was having a lot of misgivings um, because the other side of this, and, and I hope we talk about this, is the art, the art world is like, it can be very insular it can be extremely elitist and it's very white. It is like white, 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 white. Really? Yeah. Um, especially the art history world and the academic world. Mm. And uh, people aren't really trying to move the needle in the, in the academic part of the world. I think in the art making part of the world, they are. And so I was having these misgivings uh, and, and Paul said, well, I'm, I'm building a radio station, this radio station, WNHH. Uh, come help me with it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so I, um, I kind of burned some bridges with the academic world and spent a while, like a couple months really questioning the decision I had made. I had a number of professors. So my, um, the, the person I did my MA with told me I was making a horrible life choice and that I was closing doors and, um, and that, you know, I could never turn back from the... He used all of this, like, semi-apocalyptic language. Wow. Um, yeah, and so I thought, uh-oh. Uh, but here I am, and it's... Nothing has exploded. Uh, you know, the world has not fallen from under my feet. <laughs> this, the sky is still 
the sky is above still your the head, sky. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So maybe he was a little bit wrong. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka. And we're talking to Lucy Gelman today, the editor of the Arts Paper. Yes. And we're talking about art and uh, New Haven. Yeah. So that is what you said a few minutes ago is very, very fascinating because um, when you said that the academic world of art is very white and insular and the needle isn't really moving, um, even though the art producers, the needle is moving a little bit. But does that the fact that the academic world isn't moving, does that stagnate the other part? Because people have to accept art into galleries they have to make it a part of their yeah. curriculum so does that change yeah how it does i think so yeah. i think so um i'm i'm sure there are naysayers listening it so it's a whole cycle it's not just the academic world as i see it but um i i think there are people i, th I think there are different groups of people in art production too so there are people who are doing it because they have the resources to do it. Um, and, they... and and let us pause for a second and let uh, and really define yeah. when I'm thinking and make sure we're all, all both on the same page. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of art and we'll talk about this exactly what is art. But I'm in, in, in this context, I'm thinking of paintings, sculptures, academics. So we're not talking about arts and music or things like that. We're talking about the actual physical tactile yeah, so arts. Yeah, there, so there are the fine arts, but then also the performing arts. So theater is a huge part of this. Music is a huge part oh, yeah. of this, too. Um, and, and we'll get into, I would love to also talk a little bit about cuisine, but I'm thinking of the fine and performing arts. Okay. Um, so I was in the world of painting, sculpture, printmaking specifically, and in... In academia, I think, so there are academics changing this. There's an amazing professor at Yale who does, um, she does diasporic art. She was a curator in Barbados for a long time. Her name is Erica James, and she is doing really interesting work and, and bringing, you know, sort of rallying for artists to be in the collection at the Yale University Art Gallery and the Center for British Art who are thinking about issues but then there are a lot of curators who say, this isn't, this isn't my job. It's not my job to move the needle. It's my job to bring in old masters and, and Renaissance artists and mm -hmm. pieces that are interesting to the collection. And neither is totally untrue. <laughs> um, but I think at some point you say, what is your social responsibility as an art historian or as a theater professor or as a, as a musicologist? Um, or as a director of a symphony, you know, and, and we can talk about that too. Um, and if the answer isn't social change is important to me, for me, the question is then why are you in the job you're in? So how do, how do you see, how do you see art being a part of social change? So I, I think we've seen in New Haven and beyond, um, and certainly nationally too, that when art is done right and um, either taught or distributed in a meaningful way and in an accessible way, it can hugely impact communities and the dialogues that we're having in communities. And so in New Haven, some of the examples I can think of, Long Wharf Theater a couple of years ago piloted a program where they started working with the New Haven Free Public Library. 
And uh, so the the person who does this program is named Elizabeth Nearing. She's the director of community outreach. She's amazing. But one really important thing to her, and I think to the librarians involved, was moving around to different branches. So there are five branches of the New Haven Free Public Library and not having everything downtown. Because as we know, mm. not everyone lives downtown in New Haven. Right. But part of what she was interested in doing was uh, sparking conversations and dialogues around the plays that were at Long Wharf. Mm -hmm. So every play, you will see a conversation at Ives, a conversation at Stetson, a conversation at Wilson. So the play takes takes place at Long Wharf and at then Long the Wharf. conversation yep. happens at the different libraries. Correct. And so that's part of it. And then the other, another part of it is they have, it's not well advertised uh, for reasons I'm not sure about, but they have a, a free ticket program. So if you have a card to the New Haven Free Public Library, you can go in and request a pass for two tickets to Long Wharf Theater. It's completely for any play for any play. It's completely really? free. Yeah. Oh. And that and the number of people I've had come to me and say, you know, I really want to see, I don't know, fill in the blank. So Long Wharf opened this year with um pretty exciting and fun show called Small Mouse Sound. So someone comes to me and says, I really want to see small mouse sounds, but I went on to look at tickets. I waited for a while and now they're $89 and I don't know what to do because most people can't afford that. Most, you know, most people, a $25 ticket is going to be prohibitive or a $30 ticket is going mm -hmm. to be prohibitive. Um, and I usually say, go to the library, show them your card. You don't have to show anything else, like no envelope, no ID, just your library card. And mm -hmm. they'll give you this pass. And then you have to, it's a little hard you have to call long wharf and say i want these two tickets but it's completely free so the library passes out the pass and then you take them to long wharf mm -hmm. wow yeah. i did not know that so there's that Pulling um, out the library card exactly yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and you can do any branch of the free public library you don't have to go to ives downtown huh. so that's one program um collective consciousness theater is another group where i think immediately they're doing really important work in the arts um, and recognize the place of the arts in, in this landscape of how do I create dialogue? How do I make social change? And so they do shows that are uh, sort of engaging with the current moment. Mm -hmm. This uh, actually right now is Susan Laurie Park's Top Dog Underdog, mm -hmm. but they also have a night that's pay what you wish. Mm -hmm. And I think for theater, like something as simple as that, if, if a group can afford to do it, and most can, and we'll talk about that too. <laughs> uh, most can and just don't. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can afford to do that, it is transformative mm -hmm. because you're opening your doors to an audience maybe that couldn't have seen the show otherwise. Right, right. And and, and, and being exposed to theater and arts, one, it can open up young minds oh, into uh, kind of like you being exposed to a curator. Oh, yeah. wow, I can actually do this as a career. Yeah. This can be a life choice. And it, it sparks conversation. Yeah. The number of times I've had um, I've, I've had someone say to me, either a, a friend who's my age or, you know, I, I work with a couple kids at New Haven Reads. And the number of times they've said to me something like, oh, I can't be an architect or, oh, I can't do this or, oh, I can't mm. do this. Because they haven't seen other people that doing look, that. That look like them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Absolutely. Um, and so I think saying, well, yes, you can. And, I, and I've had people say to me, oh, I can't be an actor. And I don't want to say, well, you totally can. But financially, you should really consider that. 
<laughs> that decision. Um, but but the answer is you can, and I'm going to take you to a show and show you how you can do it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The um, I'm I'm still like on the library card thing. Like yeah. that's just like that, I know it's that's great. amazing. That's amazing. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about um about music. Yeah, and about how do we? So I feel like we're on this theme of, of diversifying the arts. Mm-hmm. And are there are there any effort to diversify in the music arts? Yes. Do you mean in New Haven? National. We can talk nationally as well. And so I'm not just talking about. We know that we have art like R and B, and I'm talking about in kind of like classical theater live yeah. performing. Music. So I actually, I think this is, I hope I don't get in hot water with the symphony. I love the New Haven Symphony Orchestra so much. Um, but actually, yes. So there are some exciting programs coming out. The New Haven Symphony Orchestra has announced that they're doing this program called, I think the Harmony Fellows and Katie Bonarusso, if you're out there and I got that title wrong, I'm really sorry. But, um, but it's opening up the playing in the symphony to musicians of color, which is really important because... Um, the arts often, and this is the fine and performing arts, the visual arts, often the arts are treated as sort of like a luxury that you can participate in or that you can see if you can afford to do so. Right. And, um, and a a lot of things in this state sort of support that framework, Mm -hmm. including how the department of economic and community development under which the arts are housed and arts funding is housed how they distribute funds. But I'm, I am very excited that the symphony is doing this. I do think, you know, I, so I saw the first symphony concert and there was this really exciting piece from a living um, Mexican artist. Super like it's a fun piece. It takes you, it sort of takes you through the, the countryside and the landscape in this piece. Like you can almost close your eyes and see yourself going through the landscape, which is great. And then I thought, well, why doesn't the symphony do that at every concert? Like, that was so much fun. <laughs> um, and so I started looking around and thinking, well, maybe there's too much resistance. And and donor resistance is a real thing. The mm-hmm. Yale University Art Gallery, you know, experienced that too. Um, but I think uh, there are also moments where you say, well, I'm just going to do this. And I'm going to see if people follow me <laughs> as I do this, which is it's um, I mean, it's gutsy and it's um, it's risky. But if you look at an example, actually, like the Louisville Symphony, so very different. But in Louisville, Kentucky, they're doing that. They kind of said, listen, we've played Beethoven's Ninth. Um, it's great. We love Beethoven, but let's give some other artists a try. Oh, awesome. So there. Oh, sorry. It, go and ahead. It's, so with the. Um, the the what was you said a fellowship for so it's the harmony fellows program um and as uh i think recently they were auditioning but i know i mean they've shared it on social media so as far as i'm concerned it's public knowledge any if it's if it's on facebook anyone can see it and so they're looking for people of color to join the the orchestra Mm -hmm. oh okay which is really exciting um and then as far as diversifying music, I have to, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Music Haven. Um, and Mubarak, do you know Music Haven a little bit? I know a little about them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so currently Mandy Jackson is the executive director and it's, um, it's an organization that was started 11 years ago 
by Tina Lee Hadari, who was a classical musician who said, um, you know, I, I want to be opening classical music and string quartet music and, and string music more generally up to a greater audience. Like it, it shouldn't just be this uh, sort of self-satisfied cycle of people who keep playing these songs. And, um, and so she started a nonprofit between John C. Daniels and Wexler Grant schools mm-hmm. that then moved into a garage on Whaley. It's still on Whaley, right? It, so it was on Whaley until last month, and they just moved oh, yeah. to a rector square. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I know. Whaley's a, not as happy a place anymore. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and it is, speci- and for this program, if I'm clear, they actually reach out to students of color. Um, yes. To teach them music. Yeah. And it's so everything is tuition free. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, when we're talking about breaking down the perception that the arts are great if you can afford to participate in them. Um, So immediately when you take that out and you say, here's a violin, you go practice it. Come back here. You know, come back here for two lessons a week. We'll have our teacher walk you through the basics. And now there is the first crop of students graduating from high school who joined very young when they were still at, you know, when they were still uh, like, I don't know, three feet tall. Knee high, as we call them. (laughs) (laughs) At at John C. Daniels and at Wexler Grant. They're now graduating, which Mm. is kind of so I've been writing about the group for four years, which is not as long as it's been in existence. But I get super verklempt now at their concerts like. I'll think like, oh, my God, that's Noel. Like, oh, it's just you get really emotional watching these. And I don't even want to say kids because they're young adults now, and they're so they, poised. Do they play original pieces? Do they play classical so they, pieces? They what kind of music do they play? They play mostly, mostly classical pieces. And I think the thought in that is... Um, you can kind of go outside the canon once you know the canon. This is true. Um but I think there is also an idea that, you know, I'm going to open Beethoven up to people who maybe don't experience Beethoven or mm-hmm. Dvorak or um, Tchaikovsky or e- all of these musicians who sort of are in this like the, you know, the great pantheon of dead white guys <laughs> um, <laughs> who we think of as inaccessible. Right, right, right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org, on New Haven Independent Facebook page, and my Fit Muslima Facebook page. And we are talking with the fabulous Lucy Gelman about arts paper and arts in New Haven and around the country. So, Lucy, Talk to me a little bit about, um, we talked about music. Yeah. We talked about fine arts. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about expanding the definition of art. Oh, so yeah. the traditional is- definition of art, I think, are those two things. And when yeah. we, we don't think outside, what is your definition of art? So I would say for the arts paper, my definition of art, and, and Paul and I, Paul Bass and I have joked about this actually, because for me, it's, it's what touches culture and community. And so I wrote a piece. So my approach right now is I want readers to scratch their heads at least once or twice a week and say, hey, how does this fit into the framework of arts? Mm. Um, and so I've covered yoga. Actually, that was really fun. Um, so Tima, As an art? Yeah, as, a, as an art. Um, sort of, because 
we've got dance, right? We've got dance as an art form. And then there's all of this movement that sort of happens outside of dance. So there's meditation, there's yoga. There's also, oh my gosh, Stephen uh, Yurchik covered something at the Shambhala Center for Meditation that was like, it was like two hours of untethered dancing. And, uh, okay. Yeah. And he just went with it. I, I think I'm too, you know, if yoga fits in as art, I'm going to totally call burpees art now from now yeah. on. So all my boot campers, it is, we are doing art you are doing tomorrow. Art. Yeah. We are doing art Absolutely. tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> burpees yoga, have to inclu- be included. <laughs> um, there recently, um, there was a gospel line dancing class and I was so interested in mm. that. Um, because you've got, I think too, also like, gospel and line dancing are two communities that often do not intersect. <laughs> so at least at least in Connecticut, maybe it's different around the country. I feel like when I go to contra dances or line dances, which is not that often, I see people who are between like 40 and 70 and white. Mm-hmm. Um really? For line dancing? Uh, often, yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe the, black, the, the black place. the black community must have their own version of line because what we consider like line dancing, I hardly ever see white people. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it, it's it's it must be culture specific. Uh, but, the, specific. but this is, I mean, it, like all of these things are good to know, and um, and part of it is testing, sort of testing what's in New Haven and saying like, hey, this is interesting. Maybe this isn't so. So yoga, for instance, that was is set to trap music mm-hmm. um, that actually is in your neck of the woods. It's in Westville. Yes, yes. Every I've been Wednesday meaning to get Saturday. to that class. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, it's I so totally much have fun. to go. You like, and because it's this confluence of worlds, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yoga is so interesting because it is taken from a different tradition and sort of has been Americanized Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yes. <laughs> um, and then when you add trap music, like you found you, you find yourself like bouncing your booty a little bit during down dog. <laughs> and you know it. how, and you know how, when you, um, I'm going to class. So you like pedal your feet a little bit. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's you find yourself, with a rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, okay. and, and so for me, that was like, let's see if readers say, hold up, how is this art? Or if they, and they went with it, which is great. And so my approach has also been like, let's see, like, like, let's just do what we do and see if people follow us. And so far there hasn't been that much pushback, but also like I went to a swimming lesson um, that the department of parks and rec was teaching is teaching. um, And just hung out with kids who were swimming. And, you know, is that fine in performing arts? No. Does that touch our community? Yes. And I actually heard from parents afterwards who said, I had no idea that this happens. Mm. Um, and, and so for me, that was like, that was validation or I guess validation is the right word or, or that was answer enough that we had done the right thing. Okay. All right. So you, you want to reach when, when it comes to art, you want to reach anything that intersects culture and community. Yes. Okay. So that actually gives you a much larger platform. It does. So when you think about, so are you looking at just movement? So are you looking, uh, so what are you looking at other than movement that will make readers scratch their head? Um, So I think community gardens are another big one that I love the New Haven Land Trust and I love New Haven Farms. And for me, farm-based wellness is about the art of cooking and the art of eating and what we put in our bodies 
And some people would say that's not an art form. That's just nutrition. And it's like, okay, but where do you draw the line? Mm. Um, And I know that this is something that you've thought about as Mm. a baker and an entrepreneur and also a fitness coach. You know, certainly I've never thought of it in terms of art. That's going to get me thinking later on. but But cooking, I mean, cooking is... As far as I'm concerned, cooking for cooking... me is total meditation. It yeah. is moving meditation. Mm-hmm. I, I do two things that I, I consider moving meditation, and that is hiking and cooking. Mm. <laughs> when I cook, when, I, when I'm cooking, baking my pies, there's no music playing. There's nothing in the background. There's no TV on. I'm just baking. Like, yeah. it's, it's really like a, a form of meditation for me. Well, and I think that, um, you know, when you, when you think of cooking and moving through those almost this paces mm. it's um it's meditative but it's also there's something like balletic about it mm. and so it's cooking the same thing as i don't know talking to a curator about like a jackson pollock painting mm. no probably not well you know what now that you have my little mental brain <laughs> turning i can totally see some correlation there because as you cook and we've talked about this on your show when we cook it brings back memories, mm-hmm. the smells, the textures, the taste. It actually connects us to history. And art does the same thing. Mm-hmm. What we see and the curator is taking what we see and he's connecting it to a history. So food and cooking, totally see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Good. Lucy has raised me, y'all. We're eye to eye now. <laughs> Um, and, and then uh, spirituality is another really important thing for, for me to be covering in this. So um, New Haven's Houses of Faith, and I, I mean that in a very non-denominational context. So, um, I, so Paul has a series called News from the Pews, mm-hmm. and uh, I like the idea of calling just the, the pieces that we do about faith the same thing. Um, but I have gone into Houses of Faith faith and just listened mm-hmm. um and and talked to you know talked to people before and said listen i'm a reporter i want to come into your sanctuary i know that this is a very special time for you um so i don't you know i don't want to be jumping around and and taking tons of photos but i do want to hear what you have to say and then i want to talk to congregants and i want to talk to you afterwards and for me um i you know, I think there is kind of this intersection of art and spirituality. Churches are also like churches, synagogues, mosques are also often beautiful buildings mm. um, and really like like architectural feats. Mm-hmm. But then also what happens sure. inside and how people are talking about current issues or not talking about current issues. Mm. I think there's an art in that dialogue, too. And mm. And so that's something that I want to I've done three and I want to be expanding it and uh, do just do a ton of how. And so, how pieces. do you how do you see? So, so I got the cooking thing. <laughs> so, bring me to how spirituality intersects as art. So, so I think it's more about how it is part of our community and how we. So, I I'm going to steal an idea that I got from Brian Slattery, which is sort of you've got a map like a heat map of New Haven in front of you. And the news coverage of New Haven gives you a pretty pretty good idea if you're reading the New Haven Independent, published daily at (laughs) www.newhavenindependent.org. But if you're reading the New Haven Independent, you have a really good idea of um, what's going on as far as civic issues because the team of, you know, Paul Bass, Markeisha Ricks, Chris Peake, 
uh, Alan Appel is really like they will get you there. Um, and then you have an idea of what's going on outside of that in the arts world. And that's Brian Slattery. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm forgetting some of the freelance arts writers who are, are very good. Um, and so I see the arts paper as filling in other gaps on that map about sort of how, how do we lift up voices in the community that otherwise wouldn't be lifted up? Mm-hmm. And how do we show how people are both interacting with current events in a way that is not specifically, you know, law related legislation, um, government, going to court to pay your ticket, something Mm. like that, or going to city hall to protest. Although we have covered protests and rallies. Um, you know, how are, how are people being good community members Mm. or, um, or being good stewards of their part of the community or being neighborhood advocates? And, and that's where spirituality. Comes I think into, so. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, I mean, I, I was profoundly affected by the first piece I did was at first in Summerfield church, which is on the green. Um, and I listened to the sermon. So it was the same week that Marco Reyes had taken sanctuary in the church. And he's been in that church for three months at this over three months. At he's this still point. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. With his family. Um, his family visits him, I should say. Um, and I just wanted to hear what the pastor had to say. She's, she's a very quiet woman. She's woman of very few words, usually, especially in interviews. And so I just went for the sermon and it was about, um, oh gosh, I think it was Peter. I'm really bad at this because, because I'm Jewish. And so part of, (laughs) part of this is also pushing myself to understand other people and pushing Mm. our readers to understand other people, I think, especially in a moment where folks are very polarized and that right. trickles down to religion. Um, but the question was sort of, do you hop out of the boat and swim to, so Jesus was walking on water as you know, he does. Um, and, <laughs> and the apostles said, Oh, we're scared to do that. Cause we'll drown. Cause we're not Jesus. And, um, and the question was, do you get out of the boat and try to go to Jesus? Um, And she said, you know, when it comes to housing immigrants and refugees, the answer is yes, you get out of the boat and you swim and you just do it. And for me, that was just profound. Wow. And I thought, I want our community to know that we're talking about these issues um, in a semi-abstract way in houses of faith. Mm, Right, right. Because one is not separate from the other. One is not separate. It, it from really the other. is that when it comes to people of faith, I think that um, it intersects your lifestyle in such mm-hmm. a way, like truly living your faith. Really, you can't keep politics out of it. You can't keep current day events out of it because it's all a part of who you are and how you react to mm-hmm. things, and you have to react to your environment. And that's awesome. So, tell me what is on the plate for the future of the arts paper. So you have taken it from just print to putting it online. Online, yeah. Um, is your website going to be the main platform? Are you expanding the social media? What's in the future? So we um, we do post on social media. I'm hoping that, so we're, we're getting readers, which is really exciting to me. I assumed that like four people would be reading it and it's not <laughs> a ton, but, um, but it's, a, it's a couple hundred every day, which, you know, I'll take that right now. I'm really grateful for it. Um, 
but I do. So I want to expand it. And then because of the series, we're doing a couple series and I love the idea of taking those. And then in a year or even in two years, when we have a good body of work, um, making those into some sort of compendium of stories. Okay. And so for instance, the faith pieces, you know, um, so a couple of years ago, Melissa Bailey published through the independent, um, school reform city. And it was this specific snapshot of education in New Haven at a, a given time. Okay. Um, and I would love to do the same thing for art. So what does theater look like between 20, 2017 and 2019 or 2016 and 2019? What does visual art look like? And, and there's a lot of really exciting stuff on the horizon. Um, Titus Kafar is built. I don't know if you've been following this, but, um, but he is coming into a factory and doing the Postmasters project. And I think that is going to open up a huge world of art. Is and this the one over off of, off of Dixwell? Mm -hmm. um, it's called, uh, no, what, what was the building called? It's, oh gosh. I've been reading about it, it inside it was of the independent. Where, yeah, yeah. Right, and right. So it's right Chris, next to the elephant in the room. Right. And, and yep. I should say Chris Peak has done some fantastic reporting. Yes. I, I actually live out. literally like, uh, five blocks from there. Yeah. So I am excited that that is coming into our community. But there is, I mean, I think Mubarka that New Haven is, um, you know, despite the fact that like the budget. So uh, Paul ran a little piece on the independent this morning saying the state budget is already in the red. Mm -hmm. um, so there are all of these question marks, especially for arts funding, which is often not the first priority. It's never the first priority, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, I think New Haven is on the lip of something really exciting. We saw it last night. So Tegan Ingle, Oni Obiacha, um, Caroline Smith, and Margaret Lee are um, are thinking of starting a weekly or sorry monthly meetup group for food entrepreneurs. Yep. And it was Oni's realization that you know maybe this doesn't happen in an incubator kitchen in the Armory or the Small Business Association. Right. Maybe this happens at the grassroots. And right. so I think there's a moment at the grassroots that I'm kind of trying to lean into. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank Lucia. you. It's always a pleasure to conversate with you. I know. Um, so tell sure. us, um, for uh, as we get ready to uh, uh, go out here, tell us the website, how do we follow the arts paper, um, and get in touch. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, if you're a writer and you're hearing this and you're thinking, I would love to submit something, just email me. I'm Lucy, L-U-C-Y, at newhavenarts. That's one word, dot org. So Lucy at newhavenarts.org. But if you're interested in finding out more about the arts paper, go to artspaper, one word, dot org. It's pretty easy. Um, we also, so we're in a content share with the New Haven Independent and WNHH and the Inner City News. And so their con the New Haven Independence content will show up on our site. Our content will show up on <laughs> on their site. Um, and often and, and I also share some of the podcasts. Um, and uh, and um, people can also check out the arts paper as it posts on Twitter. So we're at New Haven Arts or Facebook 
under the Arts Council. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you, Mubarak. And thank you guys for listening. You've been listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. This is Mubarak Ibrahim, your Wednesday morning voice. And I will speak to you next Wednesday. Until then, I'd like to remind you to be a voice and not an echo.